Hello and welcome to the May 29th, 2018 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is good to hear that music again. No matter how generic it might sound, no matter how basic that sound might be to you, to me, to our podcast audience out there, when it plays, it makes me feel good because it hasn't played in quite some time. And I need you to know that when I am not around for a few days... It means one of two things, and sadly, the first thing that it might mean, which in this case, it absolutely does not, is Mr. Joe is potentially going through a very rough time with his mental illness, a.k.a. schizoaffective or bipolar disorder or whatever you want to call it. That's the good news is, like I said, that is not the case. Uh, Mr. Joe has not been hospitalized. Mr. Joe has not had any episodes, no mood swings since we last spoke. As a matter of fact, I've been okay. I've been relatively sound. My mood has been relatively stable. I honestly can say since the last time that we have met on our podcast journey, everything is cool. In terms of my mood, I'm not up, I'm not down, I'm right there, I'm right in the middle. So now the other thing is, when Mr. Joe is absent for quite some time, and the first thing that I mentioned, mental illness is not an issue with me, and I haven't been hospitalized, or haven't got a bit hurt myself, which has led me to take a hiatus from podcasting. The other thing that it could be is, I'm busy. But busy to the point where I actually can't podcast. Because the busyness that I am confronted with has to do either with intense work slash or family situations. And in this case, over the past week or so, we've had a pretty serious family situation that has taken place. And... I would imagine that you all know where this podcast is going to lead to. The interesting thing is that as much as it has to do with mental illness, as much as it has to do with borderline personality disorder, as much as it has to do with bipolar disorder, all those things that a loved one, a person that I love or care about, happens to have embedded in their soul, embedded in their mind, embedded in their personality, is what basically, sadly, defines them. And we never want to be defined by our mental illness. But in this case, not only does the mental illness and the personality disorder define this person, but being an alcoholic, abusing alcohol being in denial about their alcoholism. This also defines this person. 
And I only say this, I only say that a mental illness or a substance abuse issue defines a person when that person has done so much damage in not only their own lives but other people's lives and they remain in a state of denial no matter how many rock bottoms they have hit no matter how much money they have spent no matter how many courtrooms they've been in no matter how many family members they've lost no matter how, no matter how many hospital stays they've endured because of suicide attempts or self-injurious behavior or just family members locking your way in a mental ward you continue to be in a state of denial at some per point in life your mental illness and your substance abuse problem defines you and as far as I'm concerned you are no longer a person with a mental illness you are a person defined by that mental illness somebody who is mentally ill who is in denial now I've had a lot of catchphrases since the beginning of my very first episode some things have stuck some things have not if you guys remember very first episode when I spoke about my career in autism I actually had a name for this podcast it was supposed to be called remarried with children after one episode that was gone uh, I, I have maintained my introduction as you all know when this music starts I have something to say and I say it and I introduce myself and we we start talking something relatively new I don't know how many episodes ago I've started to say this but a gentleman that I uh, talk to online quite a bit who has written me some emails and I write him back and we've had some wonderful email correspondences and conversations he gave me the idea or at least he promoted the words soldier on and I asked him if I could use those words and he gave me his permission and uh, I, I believe he was honored by it which is awesome and I've included that in my ending now I mention this because one of the lines that I talk about or at least I recite in my ending is if you love somebody or if you care about somebody with a mental illness I want you to continue to support that person now I'm going to continue to say that I am not going to change what I say but I need to define for you what support means some more support can come in a number of different ways and in and in this fashion in this particular podcast and this report that I'm about to give you this is what I mean when I talk about supporting somebody that I love sometimes your support is not talking to a person is not listening to a person is not making phone calls for a person some of those things have to be done sometimes although I will say making phone calls and appointments and things of that nature that usually doesn't work too well person's got to want to help themselves so when you talk about supporting you just want to be there you want to be there in a general sense if that makes any sense at all however sometimes not being there at all is the only way that you can support somebody because after a while when you give a person who is in denial 
and hurting everybody around them, when you give them multiple opportunities to get themselves well and they continue to make promises, their promises are empty. They need to make promises to themselves, not to the family members that they hurt. And not once has this particular person made a promise to herself. She's made a promise out loud. She's made a promise on answering machines. She's made a promise on voicemails. She's made promises over the phone. She's even had people write her promises in a card or an email. However, the promises have never come true. And again, when you're in denial, Sometimes those promises, they just will never come true because you're really not promising yourself. And when you get chance after chance and people continue to forgive you because you are mentally ill or because you are an alcoholic or if you're abusing drugs, especially somebody who's been through it, after a while, though, you start to say, you know what, man... I was able to work damn hard at myself at what I did. And I am proud of the accomplishments that I've made. And I don't understand why for the life of me, for the last, as far as I can know, 32 years, because that's all about I remember, that my mother cannot follow through on her promises or for the very least, at the very least, get herself better for herself. Forget about everybody else. That all that will all come into play. That will all fall into place eventually as people start seeing the progress. You know, you can't tell somebody when to forgive another person. People have to heal on their own. Nobody is entitled to say, well, you need to forgive me now. I'll forgive you when I want to forgive you. However, when you see somebody making progress, when you see somebody working hard, when you see somebody struggling with a mental illness but they continue to work hard, that's when you carefully open yourself up again to that particular person. That's when you change your method of support and potentially become more involved. But In a general fashion, when I use that phrase or that line, when I close out my podcast, I need you all to understand that in some scenarios, in some cases, sometimes the only support that you can give a person is not talking to them at all, removing yourself from their life, making it evidently clear to them what your expectations are of them. And then removing yourself and saying, when you decide to get better or to help yourself get better, then we could talk about potentially restoring or working at developing a relationship again. It has, it has come to a point in my life and in my sister's life, and believe it or not, now my wife and my brother-in-law, and my children, my beautiful children who do not deserve to hear these things. It has come to a point in my life where we have finally reached our wit's end and we can no longer deal with the behavior 
and, for lack of better terms, torture that we endure from my mother. You know, before I started this podcast, I actually have two electronic devices here with me. The one that I'm recording this podcast on, and I also brought my iPad with me because I utilize what's called the sound recorder. And what I did that for was I had to tape a couple of messages for you guys, like I've done in the past, and I I plan on playing them in a couple of minutes. Uh, I had to do so because they were very hard to, um, how do I put it, very hard to transform into the correct format and add into my playlist, so to speak, for my podcast. And one in particular identifies me and where I live, so you'll actually hear me go beep to try to cover that out. And if you guess it, you guess it. If you if you really want to look that much into it, be my guest. You're never going to find who I am. I promise you right now. You could listen over and over again. You're never going to find out who I am. But that's besides the point. When I prepared this sound recorder and started to put the three messages on that I'm going to be playing for you, I actually had chills run up and down my spine, up and down my arms. The hairs on my arm started to stand up because I could not believe what I was listening to all over again. And what I was about to play for my family, and when I say family, I mean you, my podcast family out there, what I was about to share with you, I want you to listen, I want you to understand where I'm coming from, I want you to look at this episode as a way of saying to yourself, you know what, wow, I'm not alone with the way my family acts, or the way my mother acts, or the way my mother-in-law acts, or the way my father, or my father-in-law, or my brother, or my sister, or my loved one. A person who is in denial is the hardest person to treat, because they don't want to help themselves, and they don't want to get the help that they need, and they continuously do damage to everybody around them because they think they are always right and you are always wrong. So, let me paint the scenario for you. About a week ago, I got a phone call from my mother and father asking me how everything was, where are you, Uh, we haven't spoken to you, by the way, once again, it's only been a couple of days. Now, keep in mind, the messages definitely were a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more even-keeled. My mother has reined it in a little bit because she knows if she starts cursing and start questioning and start using accusatory statements, it's going to turn out to be a very big problem. Now, don't get me wrong, when she's leaving these messages, she's still making some digs. You know, she'll call, she'll call me first. You know, we miss you. Where are you? Why haven't you called? Then she'll call my wife on the house phone, say the same exact things. But unfortunately, she'll compound that with saying, you know, I wish you would let me in your life and share your life with me a little bit more. But that's okay. We love you. Hopefully all is well. Call me when you get a chance. We would love for you to come over and have pizza this Friday or this Saturday, or this Sunday, you come over and have crabs, or pasta, or whatever it might be. So, a couple of days went by, I got that phone call, it was around a Monday, let's say, and on 
a Wednesday, I got another phone call. Now, everybody, I have been busy. My schedule, and I am not going to bore you to death with what I am doing, but I am out. I'm up at 5 a.m. Everybody knows that. I have been out the door every single day, no later than 6.15, maybe 6.30, because I am working now for a disaster of a person. We now have this new supervisor in my entire department, somebody who has just kind of swooped in and took over, has real no knowledge of the field, uh, nothing that she could add or bring to the table. It's actually quite sickening. The only thing that she's brought up is that she doesn't like us remotely punching in and she's not crazy about our hours. Let's put it this way. I had an autism training today for a particular school district, and I happened to cross paths with her on the way to walking to my car. And she said, where are you off to? And I told her, and she rolled her eyes. And I looked at her, and I said, what are you rolling your eyes about? I said, I love doing that stuff. This is right up my alley. So what, 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 what's your point? She's clueless. She's absolutely lost. So my point is, I've been very busy. I come home. My wife has been working basically every night till about 8 o'clock. I have not had a second, not a single second, to call anybody. I haven't, I've been, I haven't been able to cut my grass. I mean, come on. We did a podcast about my grass last time. We talked about that. I'm staring out my son's window right now in his bedroom. I'm looking at it grow right before my eyes. I have not had time for anything. But you know what? After the second message came, I said, listen, I go, you got to find a way to get in touch with these people. So I wrote an email. I wrote it from work. I said, you know, the basics, guys, I'm fine. We would love to see you this weekend. Looking forward to it. Um, but everything's fine. I said, you know what? I'm going to take it one step further. I am going to actually sneak out of my office about 1030 on a Thursday, which is this past Thursday. And I said, I'm going to give my mom a call and I'll talk to her directly and tell her, listen, Got your messages. Just wanted you to know everything's all right. Hopefully you're all right. We'll give you a call over the weekend. We'll make plans. That was unfortunately not the case. I called up and I had to leave a message. Now, for the record, she invited us over. The last message that I got from her was an invite for Saturday, Memorial Day weekend on a Saturday. And I have to tell you, my wife put the kibosh right on that before I even had a chance to talk with my mother and father. And I'll tell you why. They don't want to go outside. Saturday was the only beautiful day that we were going to have in Mr. Joe's neighborhood, and they were not interested in going outside. I've spoken about the cigarette smoke within the home, and we refused to sit in a house in 90-degree weather all day long, sweating to death while we smell like smoke, and everybody else is, else is out and about enjoying the weather and having a beautiful time. And i got to be confronted with sitting in this house. So I made sure when I called, I said, listen, by the way, and I was going to say this in person, but I didn't have the chance to. I said, by the way, Saturday's just not going to work for us. Um, and I'll explain more when I talk to you. That was that. So now Friday comes and I get a message. I'm actually going to pick up my son, Junior. And my daughter, um, Sarah Lee, Sarah Lee decided to show up on Saturday. I had to go pick her up Saturday rather than Friday because she wanted to hang out with her friends. She had a big sleepover and it was the end of the world um, or the biggest, most important thing that she could ever do. You know, I got a sleepover. She called me at 1030 in the morning on Friday. 
to ask me if she can go home on the bus with somebody. I said, aren't you supposed to be in school doing work and this is what you're concerned about? But nevertheless, picked up Junior, driving back to the house, phone rings, it's my parents again. And I'm thinking, all right, they got my message. This is going to be easy. And, you know, I'm, I'm driving. I'm not going to answer right now. I'm just going to let them leave a message. And uh, I start to play it in front of my son over the Bluetooth. And my mother then once again says, we just need to hear your voice. We don't know if you're dead or alive. Please, please call me. That's all we need to know is if you're okay. Oh, and by the way, if at all possible, I know you don't do this any longer, but would you possibly be able to get your father weed? And then what she was going to say was weed, okay? But I shut it off, and I said, whoop, whoop, whoop. And my son turns around, what, is, what did Grandma ask for? I said, ah, don't worry. I said, I didn't know what to say. I had no idea. I said, I didn't really understand her, to be honest with you. He's not dumb. But the, the point here is that she obviously didn't hear my message. So I said, you know what, let me call. I called back on Bluetooth, and immediately, I don't understand why you haven't called us. I said, Mom, I said, if you would have listened to your message or opened up your email, you would have seen and heard that I did call you back. I said, we've been down this road before. I said, you need to check all your sources of communication before you start accusing. I'm very proud of you that you didn't curse me out, that you didn't accuse me. Uh, whatever, you know, it's fine, but here I am, everything's cool, I've just been working. That's what we do, we work. My wife works all day long and takes care of a one-year-old. I work all day long, I come home, I work again and take care of a one-year-old. I take care of a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old, I mean, come on. And I'm still finding a way to call you back and I'm still making plans with you, even though... You canceled Mother's Day. I know, I didn't say this, but she canceled Mother's Day. We were willing, my wife and I, on Mother's Day, the day of my wife's, and I got in trouble for this, it's actually her second Mother's Day. <laughs> I said it was her first, I got yelled at. Uh, the baby was only about a month old uh, when her first Mother's Day was, so I kind of didn't count it. But on her day the first Mother's Day that she has to really enjoy a little man who's walking and talking and, and, and alive and like a little person. And on top of that, it's her birthday. And my wife has said, you know what? As crazy as she is, we could use those words, crazy, her and I, we are going to do the right thing and we'll go see your mother. And my mother canceled. She canceled because she had a quote-unquote backache. I'm going to tell you right now, I would bet my life, put a gun to my head, there was no backache. My mother was drinking all weekend long, probably anticipated being hungover, or at least she was drinking and hoped that she could get better within a two-day time frame and just probably was still sung, so hungover come Mother's Day that she canceled because of a backache. So I said, you know what? Regardless, we're still going to see them. We're still going to go. But before I even had a chance to talk about the Saturday issue, my mother brought up to me, she says, you know what, it's going to be really hot on Saturday. I would hate to have you kids come here and have to sit inside all day. I said, oh, thank you, God. 
I mean, at least she's got that much that she knows, that we don't want to be in that house. So she kind of took it off me. Although, again, I I left it on the answer machine, and and I I said it right back to her. I go, you know what, Mom? I go, you're exactly right. I said, I actually said that on your answer machine. What do you mean? I didn't get any message. I said, well, again, check your answer machine. I said, but now that I'm talking to you, we're going to do something outside that day. So I'm glad that you're not up to it for a Saturday. I said, Sunday, Monday? She goes, yeah, that'll be perfect. She goes, let's shoot for Sunday. Um, And you know what? Let's make it Sunday. I said, okay. I go, you know what? I got to take the kids back home to their mother on Monday. Let's go for Sunday. So that was the plan. Now, Saturday, I said, we're going to go out. We're going to have a good time. And we actually happened to spend the day with my sister, which is awesome. We went to a beach. They tried fishing. It didn't work too well. Uh, I learned the very hard way, and this is a little bit off topic, but I need to make a mention of this. Please be very careful in terms of the medication that you are are taking when you are out in the sun. Uh, Guys, I felt like I was going to have a stroke. I felt like something bad was going to happen. And sure as anything, I started Googling Welbutrin, Lamictal, Seroquel, and they all have some pretty serious, pretty serious sun interactions. You have to be very careful in the sun. So I kind of suffered. I looked like a real whining, complaining, moaning, boring old man, which is what my <laughs> wife calls me. Uh, but, you know, I really didn't feel well, and, and she kind of got it, and I, you know, I had to read the Google pages to her, and she understood, and... She tried to put a towel over my head and the hat. The good news is once the sun kind of went away, I actually felt a lot better. So I was able to enjoy what was left of the day. And I got to tell you, we had a really nice time. And more importantly, after the beach, we all went back to my sister's house and we had an awesome day. An awesome day. Uh, we, we, we ate. We talked. We laughed. We watched the kids play. It was just a beautiful day. And then all of a sudden, my sister calls me over, and she says, Mommy just left a message. I didn't hear the phone ring. I said, but she just left a message. And all the kids come running over. Grandma called. Grandma called. Not that they really care. Grandma's never around, but they put on a good show. Grandma called. So mistakenly, we played the message. And this is the message that myself, my sister, my wife, my brother-in-law, kids of the ages of one, three and a half, nine. Don't you ever talk about my drinking, okay? I've been talking about, uh, I'm talking about a lot of people that I spoke to. You're the slut. Keep fucking and sucking and look in the mirror. Don't you ever, ever put me down again. So now, I'm going to play that for everybody again, just in case you missed that. Don't you ever talk about my drinking, okay? Don't you ever talk about my drinking. Now, again, we have no idea what she's even talking about. When did my sister talk about my drinking or her drinking and to who? I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about a lot of people that I spoke to. You're the slut. 
So apparently, a lot of people that she spoke to, if you try to interpret the drunkness or the drunk message that she's trying to convey, a lot of people have told her that my sister, apparently, is talking about her drinking. By the way, there is noise in the background. I don't know if you guys have heard that. I'm trying to make out what it is, but it kind of sounds like it's my dad. I can't make it out, but I believe he's yelling at her to hang up the phone. Very difficult to make out. Uh, my mother goes on to say the following. Okay, so she calls her, and I don't like to use curses, an S-L-U-T, calls her own daughter a slut. And then she goes on to say this. So that is what we all listen to. Now, my sister immediately begins to tear up. The kids go to another room. We get my brother-in-law to take care of the situation, take the kids away. Now we got my wife and myself and my sister, and she looks at me and she says, what, what is she talking about? What, what in the world? Who did I talk to? Who did I say anything about her drinking? And I said to my sister, I said, Mr. Joe's, Mr. Bipolar Joe's sister, <laughs> I said, this is not even true. I said, this is her way, once again, to get to you. I believed in my heart that it was not true, okay? We'll get to that in a minute. My, my wife, on the other hand, said, well, this is her anger because she probably knows we're all together. And I said, no. I said, it can't be that. I said, because my mother was very clear about the fact that she did not want to see us on a Saturday. She knew that we were all hanging out. Or at least she knew we were going to do whatever we did. You know, go outside, hang out, go to a beach. She didn't care. None of that was brought up. It didn't need to be mentioned. Maybe she did know that we were hanging out, but whatever. She did not want to see us on Saturday. She confirmed that it was Sunday, everything was right. So I said, nah. I said, I don't believe that. I don't believe it has to do with that. I really don't. But nevertheless, that's the message that she gets. So I say to my sister, go home. I mean, I'm going home. You ignore that. You don't do a thing. I am going to call our mother tomorrow, and I'm going to give her a piece of my mind. Not yell, not scream. Do exactly what me and my wife discussed on the way home, on the car ride home, which was we will not be confronted ever again and I know that message was not directed towards me, but that is my only family, my sister, the only family that I have, the closest thing that I have other than my children and my wife, somebody who I love, adore, who is, is, is everything in the world to me. I said, here we go again. I said, I don't want to be around somebody who talks to the person that they gave birth to like that the woman gave birth to this young girl and this is what she calls her a slut and to keep sucking and I will not use the other word effing the whole town 
My sister is married with two children. She was the least thing in terms of being a slut. I'll tell you that much. She was certainly not one. She's five years younger than me. I knew every guy she was with, every guy she dated. There was never a rumor, never anything that went around about her. She was a, she was always a lady. From the first day that she was able to be a lady, she was always a lady. So now, I told my sister, I said, the next day, I said, I left a message on mommy and daddy's machine. And I insisted to them, oh, I, I explained to them that it makes me extremely sad that this is something that I had to hear, that all my children had to hear. I said, it doesn't matter that this message was not left for me. Clearly, you have not learned anything in terms of what you are to say, what you are not to say. And I said, and more importantly, I said, you, you clearly, you have a problem because you, you say that even if, my sister did talk about your drinking. It's true, because when you called up to complain about it, you were drunk. She was absolutely obliviated during that message. So what kind of a message is that actually sending? And I said, until you get the help that you need, I will not be seeing you, I will not be calling you, I will not be talking to you, because I can never put my children in that position again where something I do, something I say, something that you don't like results in a phone call like that to either myself, my wife, or in this case, my sister. And God forbid I got in-laws around, something along. Now, I didn't go off on this tangent, but this is what I'm thinking. I said all this, and I also said, and Dad, the man that I love, the man that I tried to model my life after, to some extent, which, by the way, is a bunch of crock of nonsense, because... Let me tell you something. My dad would drink and drive. He would pass out on the ground during Christmas. He was certainly no father of the year. But you know what? He was a good man. He's a good man, and I know he loves me very much. And I know he has very little control over my mother's actions. But he supports the things that she does, and he enables her, and he drinks with her. And I said to my father, I said, this goes for you as well. It's very sad, the man that I love, the man that I looked up to, the man that I model my life after to some extent, that you have enabled this woman to the degree that you have. And I said, you know what? I said, you two are a package deal now. And you've said that many times, Mom and Dad, that you are a package deal, and I'm now telling you that you're a package deal. Dad, if you want to see me, see your grandchildren, you better get the same help that Mommy gets. And you better get this right. And until then, I do not want to hear from you. Now, here is the interesting thing. Ironically, once again, after I left this message, a few hours later, obviously, they did not get the message again. And this is what I get. Now, keep in mind, it is now Monday. Monday. Our plans were supposed to be on Sunday. Now, this message I left for them, by the way, was on, yes, Monday morning. Sunday, the whole day passed. I didn't have the nerve to call them. I had already heard the message, but I let it go. I just left Sunday alone because I said to myself, you know what? She was so drunk last night when she left that message. I'm probably not even going to hear from her on Sunday, even though we had plans. I said, let's see what happens. And sure as anything, Sunday went by. And I didn't hear from her, no phone call, no nothing. God forbid if I was the one who would have done that, forget it. Would have never heard the end of it. 
So here comes Monday. I leave that message now on Monday for them. And I get the phone call back and I say, oh, here is the response to my message. But not the case. Listen. Hi, Joey. It's Mom. Um, I know you were at Nikki's Saturday. We were waiting for you all day. And today, too. Um, whatever happened, happened. You know, I'm not going to call you and bother you. But, like I said, you know, there's two sides to every story. And, uh... If this how you want it, you don't want to talk to me, I can accept. Okay? I just pray for you all. Good night. Now. Don't you ever. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I think we heard enough of that one. Um, now, again, just so everybody understands, I had left that message. It's now Sunday. She is claiming that they've been waiting for us all day. They waited for us on fr- on Saturday as well. So now they're waiting on Saturday, according to our message, the day which we did not have plans. And on Monday, they're waiting for us all day, when really we had plans the day before. Keep in mind, while these messages are being left, she is now once again drunk out of her mind, okay? Drunk out of her mind on the Monday afternoon, leaving these messages. And by the way... Before I left my message for them, they had my mother had called me early in the morning before she actually started drinking on Monday, and she said something along the lines, and I'm not going to bore you all with this, you know, I hope I get to see you today, and I hope, uh, you know, what I said to your sister has no impact and you're not mad at me. Uh, there's two sides to every story. And she followed that up again by saying what she said, on that particular voicemail that you heard. Again, keep in mind, she was she still had not heard my message. Had not heard my message. So, I talked to my sister. <laughs> my sister called me up and I said, you know, mom called me and she goes, you know what, Joe? She said, I finally got some guts. And she said, it was just bothering me so much. I wanted to know what she was talking about. What she meant, who said something to her, who said that I was talking about her drinking. And I said, I said to my sister, I said, come on, man. I go, what does it bother you for? Who cares who it was? It's just her being mean, her making up stories. And guys, unfortunately, this is part of what borderline personality disorder is, some of it anyway. These are some of the actions that take place. And you'll even understand more so when I explain this to you. But my sister, according to her, she got a set of uh, nerve, and she said she had four Miller lights. <laughs> so she got the courage up to call my mother and ask my mother who said what, and you know what, what in the world was she talking about? And my sister reported to me that my mother's answer to her was, I made it all up. It's a mystery person. There is nobody that ever said anything about you And I made all that up and called you the names that I called you just to hurt you the way that you've hurt me. Now, I don't know what my sister has done to hurt her again, but whatever my mother perceives as hurt, we will never know. That is within her personality and within her mental illness. But we now have gotten the information, clear, cut, and dry, that it's a mystery person that... The person has been made up, and nobody has said anything to my mother about drinking. 
No. That's what we think anyway, until while my sister is reporting this to me, my mother calls again. She calls me. I say, you know what? She's calling. <laughs> the phone's ringing. Now, at this point, guys, I'm, I'm only listening to messages. I'm not picking up. I'm not playing this game. But I say, you know what? I'll call you back to my sister. I said, she's going to leave another message, but I'm glad there's a mystery person. Don't you feel better? Nobody said anything. Um, so, you, just like I said. However, I open up my voicemail and I get this message. I know I said I wouldn't bother you again, but I have to. The truth must be told. Krista told me everything. I can't get in touch with your sister. She's a fucking liar, Krista. I don't trust her as far as I could throw her. But I just want to tell you, Krista told me about the men she slept with, okay? I'm sorry, Joey, but you have to know this. Tell your sister the same thing. Good night, and I love you. So, yeah, that, that message Mom. was to tell me that, and by the way, the person Krista is, happens to be my first cousin, after she had just told my sister that there was a mystery person, she called me up and told me that she was told by my cousin that my sister was a slut and slept with multiple people and blah, 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 and that's why she left the message. <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. The woman can't even follow her own lies. And I believe this. I actually believe that she probably forgot just a couple of hours earlier that she told my sister that there was a mystery person because she was so drunk and because she wasn't getting a phone call from back from me or she possibly listened to my message finally. She said to herself, oh my goodness, I got to come up with something to make an excuse as to why I said those things to my daughter. So, I'm going to blame it on somebody else and say, well, they made me say it. Well, guess what? Again. And I will say this with every ounce of my heart and soul. I don't care if my sister climbed to the highest rooftop with a megaphone and screamed out loud, Mr. Bipolar Joe's mom, my mom, is an alcoholic and all she does is drink. I don't care if she does that on a megaphone. I'm telling you as my audience right now that my mother had absolutely no right to say the things that she said. Unprompted, viciously, horribly attacking my sister for no reason other than potentially the possibility like my wife says because she's so drunk doesn't even remember half the things she makes the plans she makes the things she says that maybe she just figured we were all together and she was pissed off about it so she can't even follow her own lies my poor cousin the saddest thing of all is my mom will now invent this in her head. And it's very possible that her and my cousin have not even spoken. That's how sick this all is. And that she will call my cousin and start to accuse her of telling her things. And my cousin's going to say, well, what are you talking about? That's how sick and twisted this stuff can actually get. 
Uh, it's just absolutely amazing. So I am dealing with this, <laughs> and I'm glad to say that I'm no longer dealing with it. It happens to be over. I have, I have made a promise to myself that I will not be, and I know I've said this before, and, and I've been told that it's probably a rough decision, but I, I've been backed up by people before. People have said, you know, I know it's a difficult decision, but I believe you're making the right decision by not speaking to her. And guess what? Gave her another chance. Gave her another. I have given so many chances, and I don't even like to use the word chances, especially with somebody who has a mental illness. That, that to me, sounds rude. You know, you don't give somebody with a, with a problem. Listen, if somebody had cancer and they were suffering from the chemotherapy, that particular day, and they vomited all over my rug, would I say, you know what, I'm not inviting them back. I'm not giving them another chance because they ruined it. They were sick, and they threw up all over my rug. They're not getting another chance. Almost sounds kind of rude when you say that about a person who has a mental illness, especially when I sit here and I preach that there is no difference between a mental and a physical illness. But there is a difference of wanting to do better for yourself, owning the fact that you are mentally ill, owning the fact that you are hurting people around you, especially when you have a, a husband who has told you this in the past. And again, sadly now, it's almost like, I guess he's at his wit's end. He knows he's never going to stop her from making those phone calls. And this is what she lives for, sadly. She lives for controversy. She lives for those drunken phone calls. And let me tell you something, everybody. They might, they might stop for a week or so, but once she gets bombed again, you best believe that I am going to be her primary target. She will call me up in a week or two. She will tell me that I am abusing drugs again. She will tell me that she is calling... The, the uh, child protection services, whatever they're called, and she's going to tell them that I'm doing drugs and doing drugs in front of my children. She'll, she'll do anything that she can to hurt me, to prompt me to call her up and say, why are you doing this? What are you doing? And then once she gets me on that phone, the tears, the crying, oh, I, I was never going to do that, kind of just what she did to my sister. I made it up. I just wanted to hurt you, and I'm so sorry. And then, like a complete wackadoo, makes up a completely different story to me on my voicemail. That it wasn't made up. That there was actually a person that gave her all this information. So, I, I, I know this certainly was not an educational podcast in terms of clinical information. But what I needed to do in this podcast was share my life with my audience, hopefully in a, in a close way that we've never done before. I know I've shared a lot with you, but I needed this to be up close and personal in a way that I've never expressed before. And I think that I have done that. And I did it because I want you all to understand that you are not alone out there. You're not. We are all basically the same in one way or another. Of course, we have our differences. Of course, we're all individuals. Of course, we all have different symptoms, but to some extent, a lot of the same symptoms. But a lot of us deal with the same stuff with our family. 
And to be honest, and this is nothing to be ashamed of, a lot of us act the way that my mother acts. And if you're listening to this and you act that way, I understand. I get it. I am not putting you down. Because guess what? And I am not ashamed to say this at all. I acted the exact same way as my mother. There are parts of me that have to wonder, is borderline personality disorder something that I was just able to work through and also come out on top in terms of that as well? Because it's very possible, based on the behavior that my mother engages in, and me comparing some of the things that I've done to my wife, some of the hurtful things. Man, I would send her off to work, give her a kiss, give her a hug. She'd be on her way in to work, and I'd start bombarding her with text messages. F you, F this, you F in this, you F in that. How dare you? You're cheating on me. I saw the phone bill. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? I've had it. I don't want to be here anymore. All because I'm so sick. Because I'm so mentally ill. Because my personality was so flawed in so many ways. Because I just... Maybe it's because that's the way I learned in life. Maybe I just learned that I was so sad about myself and my own problems. Maybe I just took it out on my wife. Took it out on other people. Became angry with other people. Oftentimes, very much like my mother, I would find myself choosing that one person who was my buddy, who I was going to share all my information with. And then as soon as that person crossed me, or is what I perceived to be crossed by, they're no longer my friend. And I'm man enough to admit that I used to act those ways, certain points in my life, more often than not. So again, while I, while I know that, and I, and I admit that, I have done better for myself. And I have figured out a way to overcome all this through a lot of hard work. So I don't want you to think that I am, in, I am putting you down if this is the way that you behave. What I want it to be is an eye-opener for you. Maybe if you hear somebody else doing it, you'll recognize that it's not normal. And then you can get the help that you need. You are free to reach out to me at any time. Doesn't matter what day, what time. Mr. Joe BP at yahoo.com. You could find me on Twitter at Mr. Bipolar Joe. Lastly, I want to say if you're living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I want you to keep working hard. If you love somebody or you care about somebody with a mental illness, do your best to continue to support that person in whatever way that might be. And if you are struggling right now with a mental illness, I need you to keep fighting. And most importantly, I need you to soldier on. Thank you for listening to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. I'll see you again real soon. Have a great night.